0: Amen. We are once again in our topic world religions, cults, and the occult. And the eighth thing that we're on rhymes with Mormonism. It is. Mormonism, you guys are on the ball. And if you want to turn there to the last page, page number nine in the Mormon section in your workbook there, that's where we're going to be tonight. And as you turn there, I'm going to buy some time and do a recap. James chapter one, we're going to see that again at the end of the study tonight. They based their whole belief not on fact. It, uh, it is all based on a feeling, a burning in the bosom, not a good thing to do. Uh, which account, uh, Joseph Smith, they don't even agree. You said it was this one, then you said it was that, and it was, doesn't it? And speaking of which, your own writings don't even agree. We'll see that again, Lord willing, tonight. Archaeology. There's no archaeological evidence at all for any of these people, coins, weapons, you name it. Uh Uh-uh. Mormon does not mean more good. It actually means a boogie monster. Racist. Woo! We're going to get into the racist issue again tonight, big time. Uh, Joseph Smith was not a martyr. We've been seeing, uh, especially when you shoot people and kill them. uh, You're not a martyr. Uh, he was into Freemasonry. He was into witchcraft, also Satanism. Uh, they have splinter groups. They're not unified as he boasted about that. He could do what not even Jesus could do and unify them. Mm -mm, You got your own splint. Uh, baptize the dead and what is all the, where do you get all this from and that's where I said well hey you end up with a cult and we lost last couple times the five signs that you are involved in a cult is this when you get the wrong authority you get the wrong God you get the wrong Jesus you get the wrong view of mankind and certainly you get the wrong view of salvation Mormonism is nothing at all ipso facto like Christianity now they'll come knock at your door hey we're Christian too they'll use Christianese but they're not and we're going to get into that again, even more so tonight. So that leads us, all right, so that's what they believe. It's all kind of nine weeks of it, okay? Anybody learn anything over the last nine weeks? I mean, you knew it was kind of different, but wow, <laughs> how far different, okay? But the question is tonight, then, is we end up, well, how do you witness to these people? Because that's the whole point of, again, every week we pray, God, would you please illuminate our knowledge base of Mormonism just so we can be, you know, beat them in a debate and... Or if we were up against them in jeopardy, that we can get more of that daily double calling than they do, and we could win, we get could... no, it's to lead them to Christ, right? That's the whole point. Every single one of these things is not for us to sit on, it's to share, and to share with these people. And that's what should be breaking our hearts, because listen, this is not like your average Joe. These people are out there beating the streets, and sometimes, frankly, as far as deeds, they can outshine us as a born-again Christian, right? It was sad, it's unfortunate, but they're going to hell right who's going to witness as we'll see next time to the jehovah's witness right who's going to reach to the mormon they think they're going to heaven but they're not they're working their tails off with their head in the wrong direction so how do we witness to these people that's what we're going to see tonight the top of the page says let's remember some general strategies all right number one sanctify your heart first peter three we've seen that many many times what's that simply saying it says be prepared to give a what a vague response just say, I don't know, to those who ask you questions. No, I'm sorry, wrong translation. Be prepared to even answer for the hope that lies within you. With what? With fist cuffs. And, no, with gentleness and respect or meekness. Okay? And so be prepared. Be prepared. And that's what I'm hoping you're doing here tonight. We're being prepared. We're getting equipped so we can understand. So we could track along with them. We can not only know what we believe, but what they believe and prayerfully understand that this is what we're called to do, to give a defense. All right? Now, number two, we need to pray. Right? This is a spiritual battle. Now, we are getting ready, Lord willing, not this Sunday. We're finishing up eternal security part two. Okay? Then after that, Lord willing, we're into a brand new study, an extended study, really excited about, uh, on spiritual warfare. Okay, uh, Yeah, I got some stuff I've been sitting on. Woo! Anyway, uh, hopefully it scares you in a good sense. But uh, it's real. Okay? So we're going to do that. Spiritual warfare. But did you know that, listen, when you try to witness to somebody, there's somebody you may not see them with your eyes. But there's somebody out there who's trying to mess that conversation up. I'm serious. You know, I'm not saying, oh, this is a demon. Never... But listen, I don't think that the church realizes what a battle we are in. It's a battle for souls. Okay? I, I don't know if I shared with you before. But I actually had this happen. It talks about, again, pray. This is a spiritual battle for the truth. Right? When, I, when I first went to, um, when I was pastor in New York. I had a uh, parishioner, uh, their grandfather had had a heart attack and it looked like he wasn't going to make it. And so they called me up and says, go witness to him. Right. And uh, it's like, well, first of all, it's like, why don't you witness to him? Right. why do you always have to wait for the pastor? I mean, I will. I'm not saying that to be me. I didn't say that to him, but I'm just going like, come on, man. We're all supposed to witness. Right. And, uh, and but anyway, so I went I went and sure witness and what i was sitting there in the hospital rooms just mean him. God gave us an open window there. And I was sharing with him, and I felt led to share my testimony, just start with my testimony. Man, I hated Christians, Christian a bunch of dumb, duped idiots and all that stuff, and I got involved in all this wrong stuff, and oh, I tried every religion on the planet, and nothing worked, but the moment I cried out to Jesus, bang, instantly I was delivered from all the, the demons and the drugs and the immorality. I had a clear mind, and whoo, you know, God just gave me a new heart and a new life, and it was just all. And the guy was actually starting to tear up. I'm just hearing. I'm going, oh, it's just like, oh man, this is cool, right? And and so I'm literally I'm sitting, I go, and I'm the the mouse. His wife had come in, and she was, it, it was there. and it was sitting in the chair across the bed. But he and I, we had this great attention. And I'm sitting there. I'm literally going. And would you like to pray and receive? I mean, it was, it was that close. He was like right there. All of a sudden, his wife goes. She stands up, she's in that, she's like a cat on a hot tin roof, man. And then all of a sudden, she kept interrupting. Every time I kept getting back to, would you like to pray? Oh, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. Leave me alone, he's fine, he's fine. Oh, it's like, whoa. And I'm going, what's going on? And just when she started to somewhat calm down, I'm still trying to go because he was right right there, man. And I'm, would you like to receive? Here comes the doctor. Now, of all doctors, guess who it is? It's a Hindu doctor. He's got the little bindu thing here on his head. I'm going, oh, man. And I'm sitting here, this is a spiritual war for this guy's soul. Somebody wants this guy to go to hell. Because he was like right there and all of a sudden right at the very end, just mm. And I've shared before, you know, even in my own testimony, the the actual moment when i was crying out to jesus christ i heard words go through my head don't you i mean i'm mouthing the words jesus would you words go through my head don't you realize if you do this you'll have to give up everything that you know and believe even at the very end that s- sneaky snake as the kids sing about satan was there trying to mess things up trying to keep him from doing that it's a spiritual battle so when we're witnessing to people serving with Mormons. Who, who's the father of all lies? The Mormon is all based on a lie. So who's the father of all lies? Satan, right? You may not see it, but this is a spiritual war. You need to understand who you're dealing with here. You don't need to freak out. Greater is he that is in us than he is in this world. But at the same time, don't act like this is just you know, cakewalk. This is a battlefield. Somebody doesn't want these people to go to heaven. They want them to go to hell. And guess who stands in the gap? Uh, so that's what he says. Sanctify your heart. Be prepared to give any answer. Don't just say, well, I don't know. You've got to believe it. Okay, That doesn't work, Okay, but that's why we're here. Number two, pray, because this is a spiritual battle. Number three, be ready with a good understanding of the Scriptures. Again, know why you believe, Christian, what you believe, not just what they believe. Right? And how many times, unfortunately, people will do the right thing. They'll say, I'm going to know everything there is to reach Mormons, and I'm going to find out everything they believe in, and that's great. But then you can't even define basic Christianity. Right. And so then guess what? They're going to come back and they're going to ask you a question. Well, I don't know. I don't, know. And that doesn't help. So don't just understand uh, your opponent, understand yourself and be able to define that. And that's what he talks about here in just a second. Don't argue. Don't argue with him. Don't attack. Oh, you're such a lame. I can't believe you believe it. You're crazy. Usually is not an effective way to witness in case you haven't caught on to that yet. All right. Uh, and don't attack the person, certainly that. In fact, don't do what I did. I don't know if I shared this one with you or not. Um, the <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't have done it. Anyway, just one of those moments you thought, hey, this is kind of a funny little time. Do you crack a little joke, right? And, uh, you know, I think I shared with you, I was witnessing to Mormons myself, obviously, and I was getting to the one guy, and uh, then he never showed up again. They brought the elder elder. And, uh, but they, we were having a discussion in my house and uh, one many discussions. And they were st- still going at it, man, just trying to prove that, oh, God's a man just like us. And, you know, using the anthropomorphic terms the Bible uses, like, you know, the, the finger of God. And it's, and it's not a literal finger. Give me a break. Right? And, you know, and so we're going back, And so basically getting nowhere. Right? And then basically the, I was sitting over here. And then the Mormons were, this is when Brandy and I first got married. And the two elders were sitting over here. And uh, no, nothing was going on. I mean, nothing was happening. They weren't budging. And vice versa. And so they said, well, hey, do you mind if we close in prayer? <laughs> I thought it was funny, Tom. I, I didn't crack a smile like I'm doing right now. I just, I, they said, would you like to close in prayer? I turned to them, both of them. I said, real sternly, I said, if you do, I'll shave your heads. <laughs> you should just you seen their eyes, man. Woo! I said, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Right. So humor's got its place, but be careful. You know, it could be taken as an attack. He's going to shave her head, right? So just be careful. Use some common sense and like i did but uh anyway maybe that's why the guy didn't come back i don't know but don't argue don't attack the person don't threaten to shave their head is the lesson there okay now make sure you define your words right understand again what you believe define them don't use christianese we'll get to that uh in just a second where are you going with this right and now one of the things that you'll notice with mormons also with jehovah's witnesses they got a prepared script right and you know they got a prepared script because once you start asking questions which you're not supposed to be asking it gets them off their script, and, blah, 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 and they get all messed up. Well, don't be that Christian. Again, understand why you believe what you believe from the inside out. Get equipped. Get discipled like you're doing tonight, what we've been doing for many, many, many years. Okay? And keep doing that. Don't get off on tangents. Right? you get getting there. I've, how many times I witnessed this to, to people, and all of a sudden, you, again, you're right there, and it's right, and you, know, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. He's the only way to heaven. Oh, yeah? What about dinosaurs? <laughs> Okay, there is a biblical answer for that, and we've got an eight-hour study on that. Okay, but listen, that's not the issue right now. Right now is how to get to heaven. And so you've got to get back on track. You've got to keep steering back, because they're masters of that, too. And maybe the enemy's putting that thought in their head. Oh, yeah? What about female pastors? They'll pick thing that people argue with. Oh, what about translations? What about... Let's let's get back to Jesus, right? Don't get off on tangents. Now, he mentions here the important points when you're witnessing to them is the source of authority, the nature of God, the person and work of Jesus, the nature of man, and the means of salvation. You want to stick to something, stick to those five. Why? Because, as we saw, those are the five things that define a cult. That's what you're trying to bring them out of, right? So if you're going to talk about something, deal with one of these five. Begin to dismantle that in love with truth. God's truth. Get them back to the right authority. It's only the Bible. Okay? It, get them back to the one and only true God. Not with Mormons, multiplicity of gods, right? Uh, or they become a God. Uh, the right Jesus, only Jesus, the right view of mankind. And hello, how do you really get to heaven? Stick to those topics, pull them out. Don't get off on a tangent okay now again seven avoid christian jargon i.e christianese it has no meaning for the unchurch. i've been sanctified deep fried crunchy fried 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 i hate saying kentucky fried because you know where that's going but anyway so but uh, it's, we don't even know our own terminology right so uh, don't don't use big christianese and that's one thing i've always uh, uh, um, from the pulpit have strived to do is to get away from big big giant theological terms Let's talk about the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ and the how No, how about we just talk about Jesus full of God and Jesus full of man and how's it all right? And because it doesn't mean oh you might impress people, but right? And sometimes those conversations are fun. I remember having those kind of conversations going down deep in seminary and, but there's always that temptation to get, you know, prideful because I know these giant terms and you don't. Ha 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 Yeah, whatever right now what's the point the point is application the point is knowing what is that right and as i train with the interns and it looks like most of them are gone tonight what's up with that but anyways, <laughs> anyways but i train. listen the test of your knowledge is not regurgitating to the adults the test of your knowledge your deep theological truths is now go teach that to a first grader take that you want to test it you want to see if you really know that Bi- deep biblical truth you take that same biblical truth adults are easy you take it to a kid, and you bring it down. And so we need to stay away from that. Certainly in witnessing, stay away from the, the big phrases, the big... They don't, they don't, what? You probably don't even know what it means, those who do that kind of stuff. Right? And you're just parodying those big words. But that doesn't help anything. Okay? Now, let's flip it around, though. Also, how many times have we seen throughout our study over these last 9, 10 times, okay, who is very guilty of using, quote, Christianese? Some Mormons. But they flip it around. They take our Christian words... And they say, oh, no, we believe in Jesus, wrong Jesus. Oh, we believe in the Holy Spirit, wrong Holy Spirit. Oh, we believe in the devil, wrong devil. Oh, we believe in salvation and the gospel. They didn't use the word gospel, wrong gospel, right? How many times are they going to do? In fact, they'll come knocking at your door, and they'll say, oh, and they'll say, oh, Oh, and then they'll, typically people will say this, oh, hey, listen, not interested, I'm a Christian. And typically what will they come back and say? We are too. Really? Because now I really got you in a big dilemma here because your uh, founders made it very clear that you were not Christian at all. Let's watch that one. Oops.
1: The question as to whether or not Mormonism is a part of Christianity has been hotly debated, and Mormons have made themselves clear on the issue. In the official version of Joseph Smith's First Vision, he is told that all other churches are not only wrong, but corrupt and abominations. The Book of Mormon makes it clear that all non-Mormon churches belong to the mother of abominations, the whore of all the earth. When Smith was asked, Will all be damned but the Mormons? He said, Yes, unless they repent. So from its inception, Mormonism has held a very low view of Christianity. And there is more. Brigham Young said that Christians were groveling in darkness, heathens, ignorant, devoid of fact or any true principle, and converted in paganism. President John Taylor said Christianity was hatched in hell and a perfect pack of nonsense. Apostle Daniel H. Wells said Christianity was a failure and a monstrous iniquity. Apostle Orson Pratt said Christians were a set of wicked apostates, murderers, and idolaters, and the Whore of Babylon. President Wilford Woodruff said the Christian gospel shuts up the Lord. Apostle Erastus Snow said Christian teachings are crude, erroneous, and lead to infidelity. President Spencer W. Kimball said Christian ministers were presumptuous and blasphemous. And Apostle Bruce McConkie called Christianity a cult, a false church, a perversion of the gospel, and said Christians believe in a lie and a mythical Christ.
0: Hmm. The big word for that is called conundrum. <laughs> you got a problem there. What's going on? You come knocking on my door, you just said you're a Christian, except what you're Founders say. So, what are you going to do? Now now you're going to catch 22, right? You're either forced to say that you admit that you're part of a heresy that they said, or you're going to have to say that they were wrong. And if they're wrong, then why should I believe you come knock on my door? Oops. Right? So, again, us, we need to avoid the Christianese, but we also need to understand their twisting uh, of our Christian verbiage. Uh, And be prepared to, in love, point some of these things out. Number eight, share your testimony and your assurance of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Right? And there's something about a testimony. And and, and what you want to hone in on is after being saved, dare I say, the quality of life. Okay? We're going to get into the issue of eternal security down there. They don't have that either because it's a works-based false gospel. They have no eternal security. They have no security at all. They don't know. Right? Right? Okay, but the quality of life right because again when you live a works-based system It's a nightmare as we saw the statistics in Utah amongst Mormons are very high suicide rate drugs alcoholism the whole nine yards they, you just, it's, it's not a good thing. Okay, but when you share listen All I know is I cried out to Jesus Christ truly from my heart I trusted that it was his death and his death alone as a gift from God That forgave me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the grave. All I know is man My heart was changed. I've got peace like I've never known before, I, 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 I'm a different person, I'm a new person, etc. blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, what do you got to say about that? Because again, they may not give you the satisfaction that what you just shared there about the quality of life that you have now with Christ made a dent, but inside their head they're probably going, how come I don't have that? I'm out here on this bike, man, sweating bullets for two years. I went through the temple service, I ain't got none of that stuff. Right? So share your personal testimony. That's very important. Now, let's get into some more specifics. Number one, approach your Mormon friend with sensitivity, right? Even if he understands and accepts that Mormonism is a lie, and some actually do. Because you start pointing out some of this stuff, you can't, there's no way to defend it. But there is intense pressure, is your first blank there, there's intense pressure to remain a Mormon. Why? Because who gave you your job, most likely? Mormons. You leave, what's going to happen to your job? They're going to lose your job. Who sets you up in your marriage? Most likely Mormons. Who's going to encourage your spouse, as we saw before, to leave you and divorce you? Mormons. So you lose your job. You lose your spouse. You turn your family against you, not just with your kids, okay, but also extended family, uh, your friends. Uh, Oh, and by the way, as we saw last time, we're uh, left with their uh, false issue of salvation. Uh, They might actually kill you because of the false teaching of blood atonement that there's certain sins that you have to have your own blood spilt to atone for that sin. And one of those sins is apostasy turned away from Mormonism. That, that's a legitimate fear they have. But that's what cults do. right? They guilt you. They fear you. Oh, don't you ever leave uh, with that. So let's continue on. So understand, this is a serious thing. It's like, hey, you're being a wimp. right? Now, I'm not condoning getting, not getting out. But you need to understand, listen, this is, these guys, are, they're in a cult and they're threatened all the way around they're going to lose everything okay but Jesus is all you need even if the whole world leaves you if you got Jesus you got everything amen that's just a great comfort they don't have that though number 2 mormons use again christian vocabulary as we've seen many times they say Jesus they say gospel they'll use that word atonement they'll even say god but they radically redefine Is your next blank there? Redefine their meanings. And so again, define clearly what you mean. Don't let them get away with using our words because they have a whole different meaning. You need to define it, but you need to say, whoa, wait a second, second, second. You said gospel. Can you define that for me? Because it ain't going to be the same. Jesus. You said, oh, uh, yeah, really. Okay. Who's Jesus to you? Can you define that for me? Because he's not the spirit brother of Lucifer. Okay. You, know I mean? so you have to be able to, to, to bring that out. Okay, now, number three. Now, this is really important because a lot of people, oh, you shouldn't, you know, you're, you're just trying to make fun of them or you're just looking for an argument or you're just seeking a debate. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm just doing what their second biggest founder, Brigham Young, told us to do. And this is the quote. He said, Brigham Young, number three, take up the Bible, compare the religion of the latter day saints with it and see if it will stand the test. Okay, let's do that. I'm not here if to poke you in the eye. I'm here to start an argument. I, I wanna do what your second biggest guy told us to do. Let's compare this, shall we? I, I, I'm not making this up. I'm just, don't you think it would be a good thing to do? Absolutely. So compare it to the Bible. Now, let's, let me bring out some things. I call these, again, we saw before, new thoughts, New thoughts, just new thoughts in their head, right? Then you've probably thought this before because they're in a little bubble and they're never going to be told this stuff, right? Just new thoughts. But let's just think about this. Let's say, hey, if the Book of Mormon is true, why do Indians fail to turn white when they become Mormons? They said, well, why would they? Well, because that's what they teach. Second Nephi, chapter 30, verse 6. Okay, uh, up until 1981. Uh, 2 Nephi 30, verse 6, in the Book of Mormon taught that dark-skinned Lamanites, who they believe are the American Indians, who they think they're descendants of, which there's zero DNA evidence for. That's been scientifically proven, but they still keep going with that lie. Okay, But they say the dark-skinned American Indians would eventually experience a change in color of their skin should they embrace the Book of Mormon. Quote, their scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes, and many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a white and delightsome people. Right? So you become a Mormon, and your skin will become whites like us. Racism. Racism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Now, that's what they tried to do back in 1981, when all this racism stuff was coming out. It's like, okay, that's kind of racist. We better... Get a new revelation. Yeah. Okay, but a new revelation on what? Their book, the Book of Mormon, was supposed to be the most correct book on the earth. Well, if it's so correct, why do you keep changing it? That's kind of interesting. New thought. New thought. Right? etc. But in 1981, they said, no, no, no. Uh, they switched the word white, that they become white and delightsome, with the word pure. And I said, really what's going on there is talking about like a heart change. Mm-mm. Keep reading the Book of Mormon. It's very clear that you're talking about a change in skin color. And I quote, okay, uh, and uh, this is uh, from Second Nephi 5:21. And he had caused the cursing to come upon them. They were white and exceedingly fair and delightsome, and they might not be in, uh, to, So they would not entice my people. And they, he, and God, they said, caused the skin of blackness to come upon them. Right. So they were white, right? But because uh, they were neutral and they didn't believe whatever, then, then they got cursed with black skin racist, racist, excuse me, that's really what they teach, right? Uh, and also, uh, third Nephi 2.15, white means white. You can't say, oh, no, it just means pure, no. Uh, and their curse was taken from them, and their skin became white like unto the Nephites. They're talking about skin color, not purity of heart. Also, at an LDS conference, Spencer Kimball, one of their big guns, Second, He referred to Second Nephi 30, verse 6, which they say, well, that passage is referring to pure. Mm. He referred to that when he stated how the Indians are, quote, fast becoming a white and delightsome people. He said the Indian children in the home placement program in Utah are often lighter than their brothers and sisters on the reservation. And Kimball referred to a 16-year-old Indian girl who was a Mormon, and she was, quote, several shades lighter than her parents'. And he went on to say that these young members of the Mormon church are changing to whiteness and to delightsomeness. And one white elder jokingly said that he heard his companion, uh, he and his companion were donating blood regularly to the hospital in hope that the process might be accelerated to get rid of their dark skin. Can you believe that? Excuse me? And in 1857, lest you think that's not really what the, and we had the whole study, remember that, on racism, right? 1857, Brigham Young declared that apostates, okay, would, quote, become gray-haired, wrinkled, and black, just like the devil. That's the Journal of Discourse 5332, if you want to check it out. You gotta be kidding me. Okay? So, okay, let's let's do what Brigham Young said. Let's compare it. What's going on here? Something doesn't work. Well, let's move on. Again, if the Book of Mormon is so true, then why does the Mormon church constantly change it? Alright? Next one, if Moroni, remember Moroni? Moroni was that supposed angel, again, which version, Joseph Smith, right? Uh, He was that supposed angel that came and showed him where the golden plates were, right? And he was this devout follower of Mormonism. Well, wait a second. If Moroni devoutly practiced the Mormon gospel, false gospel, which says that you can become a god, then why is Moroni still an angel rather than a god? Hmm. New thought, new thought, new thought, right? He should, have been god. he should have showed up as a god if he was a devout follower, and so much so that he was the master of it, and he was handing it off to Joseph Smith. Why was he stuck as an angel? That's interesting. Hey, why do Mormons emphasize part of the word of wisdom? Remember the Pearl of Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants, uh, word of wisdom. Why do they emphasize part of it and ignore the part forbidding eating meat except in winter, cold, or famine? That's the Doctrine and Covenants uh, 89, 12, and 13. Because you still eat meat. But according to that, you shouldn't eat it except in the winter or when it's cold or in a famine. Well, how come you're picking and choosing from your own mouth? I thought it was all supposed to be all good. Hey, I'm not trying to poke you in the eye. I'm just doing what Brigham Young said to do. Supposed to compare. Right? And I'm telling you, that's a good thing to have in your pocket. Right? I'm not trying to start a fight with you. I'm just doing what Brigham Young said to do. All right? Let's continue. Hey, why did the Nabu house not stand forever and ever? Like you said it was supposed to. That's interesting. Hey, if Jesus was conceived as a result of a physical union between God and Mary, as they falsely teach, how was Jesus born of a virgin? That doesn't seem to jive there. Hey, how did Nephi, with a few men on a new continent, build a temple like Solomon's while Solomon needed 163,300 workmen and seven years uh, to build that thing? How did you do it with a couple guys? Excuse me, that doesn't make sense. Hey, why was Joseph Smith still preaching against polygamy in October 1843 after he got his revelation in July 1843, commanding the practice of polygamy? So he, he, he got this supposed revelation and said, you need to start practicing polygamy. And then three months later, he's saying, you shouldn't do it. Huh? And that's historically verified. New thought, new thought, new thought. Hey, why does the Book of Mormon say that Jesus was born in Jerusalem, Alma 710, when the Bible says Bethlehem? I'm not starting to try and fight. Brigham Young, what do you say to do? Compare. I'm comparing. Do you have an answer for that for me? What's going on here? Hey, why does the Mormon church still claim that the Book of Abraham, remember that one that, one of the many that Joseph Smith made up? Why do they claim it's inspired by Scripture when it's been stim- demonstrated that it's not because we had the supposed papyri that was supposedly translated on, and it was instead Egyptian burial papyrus, which everybody knows. But you still defend that. Why do you do that? I'm just comparing. Oh, and as we saw before, as unbelievable as it is, why do you still today defend what Brigham Young said, that people live on the sun, and other your so-called prophets said that people live on the moon? And you still defend that. When everybody knows that's not true. You know, just, just trying to compare. Hey, why does the Doctrine and Covenants in 42, uh, 18 say that murder a murder will never be forgiven, yet in 3 Nephi 20, verse 2, says that he can be forgiven? Which one's right? Just comparing, just, just comparing. Hey, how could the Garden of Eden be in Missouri, according to Mormonism? Their prophets said that. But yet, in the Pearl of Great Price... Chapter 3, 10 through 14 says that it was the area of Assyria when it mentions the river Eden located there. So who do we trust, your prophets or the pearl of great price? That's kind of interesting. Hey, Mormonism teaches an infinite regression of gods, right? This god gave yeah, this god who did this god and this god came from... Right? Well, wait a second. But an infinite regression of gods means that there's no first god by which his subjects were exalted to godhood. If there's no first god, then how can there be a second and a third? And thus, how can you have this Mormon doctrine of eternal progression? New thought, new thought, new thought. Because they don't get this, right? The typical person does this. They come knocking on the door. Hey, how you know, They slam the door. Nobody takes the time to go, can I ask you some questions? I'd like to sit down and do what your leader said to do. Let's compare, shall we? Right, new thought. Uh, Joseph Smith said he saw God the Father and Jesus. Again, which version? But this is the latest one they're sticking with, apparently. He saw God the Father and Jesus in his first vision in 1820. Now, Smith said he received the priesthood in 1829, nine years later. You're saying, well, whoop de doo Well, listen, Doctrine and Covenants, 84, 21 through 22, Smith said that you cannot see the face of God and live without the authority of the priesthood. How did Joseph Smith see God when he didn't have the priesthood until nine years later? New thought. New just comparing, not trying to start an argument. Just doing what Brigham Young said to do. Okay. Hey, in Mormonism, God and his wife are exalted beings, gods and goddesses, uh, who ever get to forever populate other worlds, right? That's what they teach. And you can become one too, right? Uh, in Mormonism, God and his wife are exalted beings from another world. Society says forms from another planet are called aliens. Therefore, would it not be true that Mormons worship an alien from another world who they call their god? hmm accurate according to society's definition and as we saw before why do you think they're so big on star wars because that really is the core of their belief right other planets populate etc okay according to mormonism jesus was the one being married to mary and martha at the wedding mentioned in john chapter 2 the wedding of cana that's what they teach well, wait a second, if this is so, then why was Jesus invited to his own wedding? It usually doesn't work that way. New thought, new thought, not trying to start an argument, just, just, just doing what you said to do, compare, All right? Hey, if the Book of Mormon is true, then why have both National Geographic and the Smithsonian Institute rejected it as being archaeological reliable? Not to mention the DNA testing, there's no evidence. Hey, why does the Book of Mormon contain the word Church. Contains the word church in First 1 Nevi 14.3, also verse 9, verse 10, and verse 12. And this is supposed to have been in a time frame of 600 B.C. The problem was the church, the word church, ecclesia in the Greek, was not used until the time of Jesus. Oops. How did you know about that word? It wasn't even in existence yet. Why did he do that? Because what did Joseph Smith do? He picked. He's not just a fabricator. He's a plagiarist, and he picked from this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, take this, a secular book, even from portions of the Bible, this, and he's just picking and poking. Now, if you think that's funny, listen to this. Why is the French word adieu? <laughs> I couldn't believe this one, with all due respect. Adieu, it's actually in the Book of Mormon. Jacob, uh, the Book of Jacob, the Book of Jacob, uh, 7, uh, verse 27, and it ends with this, that verse, hoping that many of my brethren may read my words. Brethren, adieu. Which means goodbye in French. <laughs> what do you do with the French word in there? Come on, dude. Once again, it's supposed to be yeah, whatever. Now, why should I also become a Mormon when I die if I go to the middle level of heaven when that is where most, most Mormons will go anyway? Because they can't make it into the temple to make it to the third one. Well, what's the advantage? Oh, and by the way, and you teach the false teaching of baptism dead, you get a second chance anyway. So why, am I, why are you pressuring me? Get off here. I'll just deal with it later. That doesn't make sense. Oh, and by the way, another big question is this. How could Joseph Smith compare? I'm just going to compare. I'm going to compare the Bible with what you say. How could Joseph Smith be a legitimate founder? Uh, have this authority from the priesthood, okay? When your own teachings say that he and everybody else until 1978, until you got a new revelation, was also disqualified. Speaking of racist, because they had bad blood. Watch this. This is another catch 22 that they don't tell you when they come knocking at the door. Let's
1: let's take a look. So Brigham Young taught that descendants of the biblical Cain never can hold the priesthood or share in it. The children of Cain cannot receive the first ordinances of the priesthood. It was taught that the descendants of Cain were black people, and this curse was no joke. Any man having one drop of the seed of Cain in him cannot hold the priesthood, and if no other prophet spake it before, I will say it now in the name of Jesus Christ. Whenever the seed of Judah mingled with the seed of Cain, they lost their priesthood and all blessings. If I were to marry a Negro woman and have children by her, my children would all be cursed as to the priesthood. Do I want my children cursed as to the priesthood? If there is one drop of Negro blood in my children, as I have read to you, they receive the curse. No person having the least particle of Negro blood can hold the priesthood. It does not matter if they are one six Negro or one hundred and six. The curse of no priesthood is the same. No one known to have in his veins Negro blood, it matters not how remote a degree, can either have the priesthood in any degree or the blessings of the temple of God, no matter how otherwise worthy he may be. So no one with any amount of blood that was passed on from Cain could hold the priesthood at all at least until 1978 when the Mormon church changed its mind. But let's trace the line of Cain some more. According to Mormon teachings after the flood we are told that the curse that had been pronounced upon Cain was continued through Ham's wife as he had married a wife of that seed. Now this king of Egypt was a descendant from the loins of Ham and was a partaker of the blood of the Canaanites by birth. From this descent sprang all the Egyptians. Pharaoh was cursed as pertaining to the priesthood, being of that lineage by which he could not have the right of priesthood. Now according to Genesis 41, guess who was half Egyptian? Ephraim and Manasseh, the sons of Joseph, the patriarchs of two of the tribes of Israel. And guess who came from Ephraim? Joseph Smith, supposedly. He had a revelation that he was a descendant of the biblical Joseph. And later Mormon prophets taught that it was through Ephraim. Furthermore, Mormon teens are usually given a patriarchal blessing. According to the Encyclopedia of Mormonism, the patriarchal blessings of most Latter-day Saints indicate that they are literal blood descendants of Abraham and of Israel. In the great majority of cases, Latter-day Saints are of the tribe of Ephraim. But if that's true, then Joseph Smith and most Mormons up until 1978 shouldn't have been able to hold the priesthood because there is at least some amount of blood in them that can be traced back to Cain. So there's a problem. The priesthood is the power and authority of God delegated to man on earth to act in all things pertaining to the salvation of men. It is the means whereby the Lord acts through men to save souls. Without this priesthood power, men are lost. Only through this power does man hold the keys of all the spiritual blessings of the church, enabling him to receive the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, to have the heavens opened unto him by the logic of his own religion Joseph Smith couldn't have had the priesthood and therefore it didn't have the authority to establish said religion Mormonism's own catch 22 now let's take the Bible the Bible never said Cain was black that his descendants were cursed or that his line made it through the flood it said he was cursed from the ground not from any priesthood in the Old Testament only members of the tribe of Levi could be priests In the New Testament, all Christians became priests, regardless of race or sex. So Mormonism is a great example of why Paul said, Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive.
0: In other words, those who don't know their Bible so that you could do what you're actually encouraged by their leaders to do, just compare. They're not going to do that when you come knock at the door. We, we need to get equipped with this and do what they say. Let's compare. This is a, has nothing to do. They got a, a brilliant marketing campaign. They, they throw millions and millions and millions of dollars at TV, magazine, advertisements to paint a picture that they're great Christians. This is one of the most with all due respect, wicked, satanic, racist, anti woman, polygamous religions on the planet. It's false. And we need to lead these people uh, out of that and, and, uh, and deal with it. But that's what he says, okay? Now, and again, that's what he says. So let's uh, take the Bible, he says, Brigham Young, part three again. Let's get back there. Compare the religion of the Latter day Saints with it and see if it'll stand a test. Guess what? You failed. Okay? Uh, limit your conversation to what the Bible says and compare their doctrine to it. Again, you've got to know your scripture. You've got to know what you believe, why you believe, know where they're coming from, and just compare Just go back and forth and begin to expose that uh, out for them. Number four, emphasize the security of your salvation. Right? For the Mormon, there is no absolute security in attainment, uh, of, uh, attaining their ultimate salvation or godhood. That's what they mean by gospel salvation. You know, that's what you know, they get to go back to becoming a god. Uh, since it's based on works. Anybody, whether it's Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, whoever it is, Catholics, we saw for 12 weeks prior, okay? Uh, anytime you're in a workspace based salvation, there's no peace. There's no secu- because you have no security, you don't know. What if you, th- what if you did 100,000 good things, you find out the entrance is 100,000 and one? Oops, you just don't know. The good news is, it's all done. right? We receive a gift, not a wage. It's all done, it's all complete. When Jesus said it's finished, guess what? It's finished, praise God. It's His work, not our work. And that's what he says. It's by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right? And we go to sleep at night. The scripture says right now through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, right now we have peace with God. Woo-hoo, I can go to sleep. They ain't got none of that. They don't know. I don't know. How do you know? They don't even know which kingdom they're going to get into. And they got all these different versions. Step one, step two, is it the third celestial kingdom? I don't know. They don't have any of that. So not only when you share the quality of your life, but the security Oh, man, dude, I'm going to heaven, man. I'm going to heaven. There's no doubt because it ain't me. I'll tell you that straight up. And it ain't me after even I got saved. I'll tell you that straight up. It's purely through the work of Jesus Christ. Now, again, they may not give you the satisfaction when you just made that statement truly from their heart, even with your countenance showing it. But inside, they're going to say, I've been out here sweating bullets, knocking on doors, bloody knuckles. I'm out here with this white shirt and tie, I'm going with my friend, we're going this, we're doing this, for how many years? I went through this temple priesthood, I gave how much of my cash? And they ain't got peace, they don't have security. So when you share that truly from the heart, guess what? Boom, I got a ton of bricks, can I have that? Really, is that true? That's what I want, but I can't get through the false teaching. Of Mormonism. Number five, one of the Mormon of trust in feelings. Nothing more than feelings. <laughs> it just breaks you up every time, doesn't it? Anyway, uh, why? Because that's what they base, as we saw the very first out of the gates, James 1 5, which is not even what James 1 5 says. How do you know it's true? I ate a piece of chicken I got a boy a burning in my bosom. No, but they do say I got a burning in my bosom. Maybe that is from a piece of chicken, I don't know. But excuse me, you're gonna base your whole eternal destiny on a feeling. Are you what? And, and you need to point this out. And you need to point out, listen, uh, that's what they believe for a validation as their claim of truth for Mormonism, but Without historical objective verifications, feelings are useless, is the last words there. Now, I'll add this too. Uh, it's also illogical, and dare I say, it's dangerous to base truth, reality, including eternality, on a feeling, you're not getting into it, on a feeling that's dangerous, okay? Now, basically, society does this too. Okay, society does this too. Maybe that's why they get uh, uh, schnookered into the Mormon false gospel because it's just based on what you, you know, I'm telling you, just pray about it and you're going to get a f- feeling, right? It's, what? Okay, but they already do that. They've been trained with this lie. We call it this, relativism. Okay, relativism is rampant. It's been going on ever since the 60s. Uh, And it's basically the belief that whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever's true for me is true for me. Right? That's that lie. But guess what that is? The fancy word, the big word, is relativism. It's relative to you. You get to decide what's right and wrong. Now, what's the problem with that? What's the lie of Genesis chapter 3? What started the whole fall? You will be like God. You get to decide what? Between good and good and evil. You get to make the decision. That's relativism, right? That's, that's the fall of mankind, right? And that's what they base their whole truth on, okay? But relativism is rampant even today, uh, but it's illogical because truth by its very nature is absolute. Otherwise, it wouldn't be true. Absolutely true, okay? All right? uh, feelings, I don't know if you notice, are wrong all the time, right? I, listen to this, and I'm going to read this. This is a direct quote. Some people actually feel if, listen to this. This is scary. Some people actually feel that chicken is good for them. Doesn't it make it true, does it? Okay, let me get serious. Uh, seriously, how many of you guys have ever had a feeling about something? I felt like that was a great idea. I felt like this was the thing to do. I felt like that, and it didn't work out very well. Have you had that? In fact, I just... Yeah, okay, maybe I've got time. We, we just got back reading. I just got back from uh, Texas. We were there Thursday and Friday, Layman Light Ministries interviewing Dr. Reagan and vice versa and, stuff. and so we uh, were coming back and I was kind of in a good mood I was feeling good right and we do Southwest right so then you, you got you got your little slot you're supposed to stand before you board and whatever anyway there was one lady in front of me there was that lady then at the very beginning and then me then Reed right and we, the sun was coming in on the windows here, right? We were boarding the plane this way. Anyway, so she had her phone out. I'm not joking. She had her phone out. I'm feeling good because it's like I've been away for two days. One want to go back to see the wife and kids and weenie dog. Anyway, <laughs> and what, but the family too. Anyway, I kid you not. And anyway, so the sun was on her phone. I'm looking at it. She's right there in front of me. And she had like this protective film. It wasn't glass. It was just like a plastic film. Well, it had like bubbled underneath it or whatever. So with the glare on the sun, I'm not joking, it looked something... It looked something like, like this, you know, a little kind of skinny. All you know, it was all black, right? It was all black, and I'm going. I'm thinking, wiener dog, right? <laughs> so, you know, we're getting ready to board the plane. I'm in a good mood. I had a feeling, Jim. I thought I'll just be Mr. Funny Guy, <laughs> and I actually said to her, I go. I look at her phone. I go, hey. <laughs> I said, hey, if that's your dog, you might want to feed it. You know, because I'm thinking wiener dog is shaped, you know, the bubble thing, right? She looks right at me and she goes, that's my daughter. <laughs> From her angle, she didn't see the black bubbly thing. All she saw was her six-year-old daughter that she's got as the background on her phone. <laughs> so I did what any red-blooded American man would do at that point, And I simply said this. You can verify this was Reed. I said, please don't slap me. <laughs> How <laughs> many times, feeling, I didn't feel good after that, time? I just, woo man, woo, felt about that. Oh, man. But how many times do we do stuff based on a feeling, and it doesn't turn out good? Of course, that's a humorous one, but how many times you had this great idea, and it caused a lot of pain. And this is what you're bringing, right? And so so let's, let's, let's flip it around, because this is really what you're doing. You're basing your whole eternity on a feeling, but let's use your own term. Remember, it's the burning in the bosom. Right? So let's switch the word feeling out. Right? And then see if this is something you want to do. 2 plus 2 equals... But Tom, I had a burning in my bosom. That is 5. So? How many times will you get the answer wrong in your test if you always put 5? Every single time. Why? Because it's an absolute truth. 2 plus 2, absolutely always will always be 4. That's why it's true, because it's absolute. Right, Abraham Lincoln... I had this burning in my bosom, Brian. He was a wild west cowboy. I, it, oh, I felt it, man, right here. I did. So what? You could feel that to your blue in the face. He was the 16th president of the United States. Guy, dude, speaking of coming back from Texas, we were on a plane. I, I was, I didn't, you know, I'm trying not to be prideful, but I had this burning in my bosom that I could jump out of this plane without a parachute and fly the rest of the way myself to Vegas. I felt it, man, right, right here, right here. What would happen? The absolute truth of gravity, boom, I'm I'm road pizza, right? You're going to bait feelings, relativism, call it burning in the bosom, try to spiritualize it. That is no gauge for truth, whether it's mathematics, whether it's science, whether it's history, and then you're going to transfer that for all eternity? That's very concerning, okay? But not only that, if that's true, then how do we know what's right and wrong? Are you going to determine morality on a burning in the bosom? And isn't that what our society is doing today? Right? It's no different. And yet Mormons say you're for morality, right? Well, then what if I? How come I can? What if I have a burning in my bosom that your book's not true? Now you really got. What's the big word? Conundrum. Because you told me that you base truth on a burning in the bosom. Well, I had one, and it said no. So who's right? Who's burning and whose bosom is right? How do you know? There's no objectivity if it's within the person, so you got a problem. Hey, what if, and I'll use their words. I'm not being harsh, but I'm trying to expose. Listen, they have to understand this. Are you really prepared to put your whole eternal destiny on a feeling that you say a burning the bosom? Listen, what if somebody... Is this how you determine something to be true? What if somebody had a burning in their bosom that it was okay to molest children. Does that make it right? What if a person had a burning in the bosom that was okay to teach their kids to steal for a living? What if a mother had this, it was serious too, it was a really big one, a serious burning in the bosom to teach her daughter to become a prostitute? Or this dad, he had this burning in the bosom all day long to verify the veracity of his belief that it's okay to teach his son to be an abuser of women. Is, is, are you, Really? Are we really prepared to do that? And this is at the very beginning. They leave their Book of Mormon with you, and what do they say? Pray about it, and if you get a burning in the bosom, it's got to be true. And yet, that's one of the most dangerous, illogical things. It doesn't work in any other arena of life. But then you're going to say, but it works for eternity. Do you really want to take that chance? I like uh, what um, Charles Spurgeon said. Listen to this. He said, We have come to a turning point in the road. If we turn to the right, maybe our children and our children's children will go that way. But if we turn to the left, generations yet unborn will curse our names for having been unfaithful to God and to his word. And that's what Joseph Smith did he turned to the left. He turned away from God's word, and he literally made up his own so-called Bible. He took a piece from that, and what's he done as a result of that? Not only he himself went to hell, but he has cursed generations upon generations of people who refused to see and read God's word. That would say this, Judges 17, 6. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Deuteronomy 12, 8. You shall not do as we are doing here today. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. You want me to translate that for you? You should not sit there and base truth, your morality, your actions, your belief, let alone for all eternity, on a burning in the bosom. And because that's their whole belief system, they have now cursed multiple generations of peaceful. Listen, Galatians, Paul says, Galatians 1, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As I've already said, I'll say it again. He says, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. You turned to the left. You went the wrong way. You made it up. You not only condemned and cursed yourself forever. How many generations upon generations of people now spread across the world are under the same curse? And so here's the good news, as we close. It's our job to slam the door in their face. (laughs) No, who's gonna witness to them? It's our job, it's our mission to get out there and witness to the Mormons and tell them about the one and only Jesus, the one and only way to the one and only heaven with the one and only gospel and reverse the curse and the condemnation that they've been following. Now that's a fantastic mission, amen? Amen, let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, Let's take a a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, The Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means Lying.